they, um, they, it's good to be here. Uh, when I went out to, to pray with uh, Sue before the service, she said, are you preaching tonight? And I said, yes. Um, I don't know whether she thought I might do one of the things that I kind of often do in the evening, where I sort of poke and prod the members of the congregation here so that they actually get to share the word rather than me doing all the work. Um, But I'm not doing that quite so much tonight. So some people will be relieved in that, and others might not be. And that's the nature of the thing, because you've already done the sort of work. You've already done some sharing in testimony. You've already brought conversation, exploring the word, as I will come to it. Over the past uh, couple of weeks, um, I've actually mentioned that I've I've been watching a programme that's been on BBC Two about pilgrimage, about some celebrities journeying um, to Santiago. And before the programme began, they didn't know each other at all. There were some famous faces and some not-so-famous faces they probably got told who else was taking part, but it wasn't until they started walking that they actually got to know each other. Not through the walking, but through the talking. Because I think going for a walk can be a bit of a catalyst. It can be something that, that lubricates, that aids the conversation and they started to share stories of their lives rather like testimonies saying what was happening what grieved them what gave them hope and the same thing can happen not on a pilgrimage but if you're out on a hillside somewhere People heading in the same direction as you, you would at least say hello to and maybe strike up a conversation. Maybe a brief word about the route or the weather, the going underfoot, the location of a tea shop, perhaps. Somewhere that you might get refreshment. The walkers in tonight's passage have been on a journey. A journey of about seven miles. Seven miles on a day round about March, April time. And if you were to look up the weather in Jerusalem today, it was 24 Celsius this afternoon. To go on a seven-mile walk on a nice very warm day might be a bit laborious. And how much were they carrying? They'd been away from home for some days. Maybe they had some sort of bag with them, some sort of container 
that they had to take. We don't know about their luggage, but they are under a heavy burden. There is a great weight upon them. Not so much a physical weight, but Cleopas and the other traveller are maybe walking slowly because of the events that had happened on the Friday. And because they were a bit puzzled about everything that had been going on in their life. Everything that had been going on in the city. They just couldn't comprehend. And maybe they were glad of anybody coming alongside, a third person to be with them. Somebody that might change their conversation. Because whatever that person might say, it would not take them any lower than their hearts were already feeling. But what's maybe surprising to us is that they are in that frame of mind. You know, as they say about what they've heard that morning, about some women went to the tomb. The women had a vision of angels. They told us that Jesus is risen. That sounds something to rejoice about. To be delighted in. Other people went to the tomb. They found it was just like that. Oh, how sad it all is. It doesn't seem to come together in the right way. It doesn't have the right concept behind it. The stone was rolled away. Christ is risen. Oh, how sad. Is that the right emotion? Well, what can we say? We rejoice at that news. Christ who was dead, has risen. He has beaten death. And in so doing, has prepared the way for us, for the believers, to know that there is life after death. There is hope. There is joy. The way has been prepared that we can have eternal life. We can have a place in God's royal family that we can sit there in the heavenly kingdom. But we will meet people on our journey of faith who will have received all the teaching, that will know the stories, who will maybe have sung the songs. They'll know every detail, but yet have not really encountered the risen Christ. The saying of being able to lead a horse to water but not be able to make it drink applies. It requires a thirst and a moment of revelation. In our passage, even as Jesus goes step by step through the scriptures, the eyes remain closed, not open. The knowledge is there. 
but there's still no connection. What is going on in these people's lives? They invite him to stay. And they make this stranger the host at the dinner table. We see that in the, it's him that takes the bread. He gives the thanks. He breaks it. And he shares. In making him the host, there's a a sense of true hospitality. There's a sense here of Jesus teaching in Matthew 25. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. The the two travellers have shown themselves to be disciples. Not just people that knew about Jesus, but they are followers. They reflect the love that the Lord has taught them. But the revelation is not for them until the process of breaking the bread comes. And here Luke says their eyes are opened. It's almost as if this is the exact moment the Lord wants them to discover who he is. We have to wait for that moment. And then, in an instant, it's discovered. We witness the action of take, bless, break, share in Emmaus. But it's also that of the upper room in Jerusalem on the night that Jesus was betrayed. It's what we are taught to do as ministers when we go to serve communion. It's the four steps that we go through. Take. Bless, break, share. It's steps that are in that account that Paul gives to the church in Corinth that we sometimes read. What Jesus himself passed on to Paul. This is a discovery that Christ is with us in that meal. The moment is key, and it's a moment of awakening. Not the heart simply warmed as the scriptures were shared and reflected upon, but there's a moment of awakening as the bread is broken. An awakening that suggests that Cleopas and Cleopas's friend, the other person who we never quite get to know who that person is, male or female, that they were in the upper room three days earlier. They know when they witness it again, it must be Jesus that is there. 
And so perhaps the gathering was bigger than the 13 depicted in Leonardo da Vinci's painting. Maybe that's who's sat on the other side of the, the table that could seat 26, but we only see 13 sat down. Of course, if you read Acts chapter 1, you'll see that Joseph, known as Barsabas, and also Matthias must have been there too, because they've been there all along right from the time of Jesus' baptism. The awakening that comes to Cleopas brings an astounding change to the two that are at the table. And their immediate instinct is to tell others. They have a discovery that is vitally important. It is life-changing not just for them, but life-changing for all the believers. While the women had been to the tomb, they hadn't seen the Lord. But these two had shared a table and knew that the Lord was risen. They drop everything. That's it. They're going back. They're going back to the city. They'd urge their friend on the road to stop and stay with them. You don't want to go any further. It's nearly evening. Stay here. But yet, they are ready now to drop everything and go back to the city. It's two hours away and more. But they don't care that the sun is setting. They've got much bigger issues. Their heart is burning with joy. They have an eagerness to declare the risen Lord. And as I was hearing those testimonies, I was hearing about the desire to do something. The desire at times to make a difference. To change, to start something new. Of how Ray was saying about just doing it, you know, just getting on with it. I can only really think of uh, one instant in my life uh, when I've done something that's quite to this sort of uh, scale of just going, right, that's it, I'm leaving that, and I'm going to go and do this. And it wasn't my cult ministry. That there was an element of change there, quite a serious element of change. It was the 19th of April 2002. I was in my house in Manchester and I suddenly realised that I wanted to propose to Emily. Right? That was it. I'd, I'd had this awakening. Now, the only problem was that Emmeline was in Kent, near Ashford, right? So what do I do? I pulled the plug out the sink, because I'd been washing the dishes at the time. 
Washing dishes has nothing actually to do with wanting to marry Emily, right? That was not the thing. It was just, you know, if I just marry... No, that was not the aspect. I do promise you that. But there was this sense, I just grabbed a bag, shoved stuff in it, and drove the 270 miles. Fortunately, she said yes. Otherwise, it would have been a bit of a long journey. I did fuel the car up just before I arrived at our house, just in case she said no, and I had to turn around and head back. Sometimes you have to act. Sometimes you have to act in that instant. Sometimes... You have to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And that's what Cleopas and the other person did. They knew they had to. They had to act. The mood in Jerusalem is different from when they left the city earlier that day. Yes, the, the people are together. There's a bit of a locked room, as Heather referenced. But Simon is said to have seen the risen Lord too. And what we have from these different testimonies is the beginnings of a believing community. Simply hearing the women in the morning saying they had encountered the angels had not moved the people far enough. Hearing that Simon, Simon Peter, had met the Lord probably wasn't enough either in itself. There's still some wondering going on. But when the two witnesses from Emmaus are together with the others the message starts to become real. A foundation is laid that Jesus will build on as soon as he comes into their midst, revealing himself to the disciples as they met in their gathering place. I give thanks for those that have shared testimony tonight. But we all need to be bold to tell our story to say what has happened. To speak of the encounters that we've had with Jesus. That he lives and that he offers life. Then on our pilgrim journey, as we meet other people on the way, we will not simply talk of how at times the path is boggy. We won't simply say about the cake, the, the, the cake that's found in the best local calf. But we'll be ready to break bread, to share fellowship, to have a heart that reaches out to the stranger. And we'll share something of the one who was broken on the cross but rose again, giving us life in all its fullness. Amen.
we come to our closing hymn and think of that love for us. <laughs>